I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Food Lab and The Walk, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Two of my go-tos to make sure I'm getting the perfect recipe for everything from meatballs to muffins. They're pros who obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything you need to create your perfect recipe. You can finally be excited to eat what you make, and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. My name is Michelle Miracle, and I grew up outside of Denver in Westminster, Colorado. All right. I was the typical funny fat girl who all the guys hung out with and joked around with, but never like-liked. As Michelle can attest, feeling like you're seen only as friend material can lead a kid into one frustrating situation after another. That meant that I was constantly in love with my best guy friend. And for Michelle, Few crushes were as intense as the one she had on a friend named Mark. Mark was the hottest of all the types of boys. A skateboarder. I loved watching him skate. He could do tricks and everything. We talked at school every day and hung out all the time, but he was in love with a girl named Felicia. He liked her because she knew how to skate. I was on a mission to make out with Mark. From Purex and Radiotopia, I'm Neil, and this is Mortified. Today on the show, what happens when teenagers attempt to transform friendships into relationships? Two tales of the platonically challenged. April 24th, first hour. This is so hard. I have to fight myself to not think about him. He's wearing shorts today. So is Felicia. (laughs) I can hear him now. He cows every time she wears shorts. I wrote him a letter. I admit my feelings for him, but in a weird sort of way. I said, I like this guy, Bob, and he likes my friend, Gertrude. (laughs) And then I went on and on and on about how I was jealous because I really like Bob a lot. I should point out that I don't know why I picked these two names. Bob was my dad's name. And Gertrude was apparently just my go-to character name, as you'll see later. April 26th. Well, in second hour, when we usually have gym, we went and watched a play. He gave me a note before the play started. 
It said he thinks I should kill Gertrude and Bob and find someone else. He kept repeating the find someone else part. Pretty subtle. If he knows who Gertrude and Bob really are, which I'm 99% sure he does, then he wants me to leave him alone? But he said something about waiting, and if Gertrude dumps Bob, then to make my move while Bob is down. (laughs) Then he went right back to, but if I were you, I'd kill them both and find someone else. (laughs) But at the bottom of the page, he put love mark. (laughs) April 27th, I talked to Mark on the phone tonight. He said he doesn't know who Bob and Gertrude are. (laughs) I kept saying, I know you do. You're just trying to get me to say it. (laughs) He said he has a vague idea of who they are, but he made me give him hints. He'd ask me questions like, does he skate? (laughs) Yes. Is he a stud? (laughs) Yes. And about Gertrude, does she look like a skate Betty? Gag. So he's gotta know. May 11th. Today was interesting. I didn't realize until Felicia told me that I forgot to put on makeup this morning. (laughs) It was funny. I didn't have on eyeliner or mascara and I didn't know. I guess you had to be there, huh? (laughs) I talked on the phone to Mark tonight for about an hour, quite longer than our usual 15-minute quickie, (laughs) haha. We talked about everything, deeper things than usual, like ourselves instead of everyone else. It was odd. He said I was too negative. We were talking about bodies, and I said that I thought the naked body was kind of awkward and vulgar. He disagreed. (laughs) He always talks about cleavage. I said that the other girls are envious of girls with a lot of cleavage, but it doesn't help because you have to have a perfect body for guys to even look at you. And whether you have cleavage doesn't matter. He said he's not like that. He likes cleavage and calves. (laughs) Felicia has perfect calves. I guess one out of two isn't bad. (laughs) May 17th. He is gonna get a flat top. Oh my God. I die for flat tops. I told him about my sister Tammy and he asked if she looked anything like me and I said, no, thank God. He said, why, is she ugly? I said, no, she's really pretty and I'd pity her if she looked like me. He said, no, no, no. I don't know, it was like a subtle compliment, you know? (laughs) May 19th, 
I ended up staying home and talking to Mark. It was quite a conversation, major flirting. Well, me, anyway. We were talking about oral sex. I said that I would do it for Bob. <laughs> oh my God. And he was like, really? It was funny. He said he would do it for anyone. What about head? I don't know. I think he was flirting with me, though, just from some of the other stuff he said. He said I should build up my calves. <laughs> then he'd melt when he saw mine. It was funny. I was flattered. So at this point, school was out for the summer, and I was tired of waiting for Mark to make a move. We both went on family vacations and didn't see each other for most of that summer. My crush was stronger than ever, but nothing changed until 10th grade when I decided to take matters into my own hands. And shit got real. <laughs> March 28th. Monday, during the day before we went bowling, Mark and I had a very interesting conversation. It was mostly about his favorite subject, sex, of course. I don't know how it got started, but it was pretty intense. We kept thinking up all these places it could be done and different ways and all kinds of weird stuff. This conversation lasted about two hours. And by the end of it, we were both pretty hot and bothered. Again, I had never even kissed a guy at this point, but that wasn't gonna stop me. I was about to skip a few steps. And this year, the name Gertrude took on a whole new meaning. That night at the bowling alley, he was tickling me and he was hugging me. When we got in the car, Mark sat in the back with me. It was weird. He started tickling me and I started squirming. I ended up laying on his lap, kind of against his chest. We just sat there for a while, and then he started tickling me again. Before I could do anything about it, I realized that Mark's hand had found its way to Gertrude. <laughs> guys, uh, I named my boobs Gertrude and Simon after two goldfish that I had that died. Like you do. <laughs> All right. I was surprised, but I acted like I didn't notice. We were kind of holding hands, and it was nice because he was stroking my hand, and it was it was so caring and gentle. It should have stopped there, but it didn't. I kept thinking about the conversation that we'd had earlier and that day and how green he was when we talked about oral sex. So I took his finger and I put it in my mouth. 
He didn't say anything, but he kept stroking my hand, so I thought he liked it. When we got to John's, we sat next to each other, and he started tickling me again. It was so weird. I asked him today. He said it was shocking and weird. I asked whether he meant shocking as in, oh my God, what a slut, or shocking as in good. He said a little of both. (laughs) Jeez, I can never win. I asked him if he regretted it, and he said he's not really glad it happened. So I don't know how to win. I'm not going to analyze this. I'm just going to forget it ever happened. He said it was embarrassing, too. (laughs) Oh, well. Oh, well. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. It's over and done with, and there is nothing I can do about it. I wonder why he says some of the stuff he says. And then when it comes down to it, he's afraid or shocked. Oh, well, I don't care anymore. (laughs) He can have Felicia for her calves or Kelly for her body, but he's not going to have me. Uh -uh. No matter how much he begs. (laughs) Don't I wish. (laughs) So as much as I wanted to, I never actually kissed Mark. We stayed friends and had many drunken nights in high school and beyond, but nothing ever happened. I did have my first kiss a few years later in the backseat of another car. And I had a few more finger blowjobs. <laughs> kind of my thing. <laughs> you don't even have to take your pants off. It's perfect. And a lot of crushes on guys who weren't into me. But now... <laughs> I am newly married to someone who tells me all the time that I have very sexy calves. (laughs) It took a long time to believe it was possible, but sometimes you gotta fake it till you make it. This is how I ended my entry. He'll see what he's missing. They'll all see what they turned down and I'll find a nice guy who will love me for who I am and what I look like too. And I'll be able to wear a swimsuit. God, what a dream all this would be. I'm gonna do it. Watch me, Mark and eat my dust. That was Michelle Miracle at a Mortified event in Los Angeles. Hi, uh, I'm Andrew, and when I was 17, I was a uh, melodramatic nice guy. I had all of these female friends that I uh, wanted to be girlfriends, and when they uh, didn't feel the same, uh, when I was friend-zoned, um, I would uh, act the sad boy. Uh, and this, this pattern repeated itself in my junior year when I met Lila. Um, I was in love with her, uh, but she didn't feel the same. Um, and so when it was uh, becoming Christmas time, um, I uh, thought about my skills as a budding playwright, which I like to think of myself as, 
Um, and so I uh, gave her the worst Christmas present of all time, a gigantic guilt trip uh, in the form of a play featuring not even thinly veiled versions of us. The, the male character has my middle name as his name. Um, and uh, printed it out and, uh, and gave it to her. And, and I should say, I figured that this guilt trip would uh, turn her uh, feelings into love. Um, out of manipulation. Uh, so I was very proud of this. Uh, so I now present uh, the unintentional melodrama, Working It Out, uh, with some help from the mortified Austin players. <laughs> the scene, a New York City apartment. So my thinly veiled version of myself was a famous author living in a New York City loft. Joseph nervously knocks on Denise's door. As she opens the door, clearly nervous herself and perhaps almost frightened, which she should be, he straightens up awkwardly. Um, hi. Hi, I, I, uh, I was just in the neighborhood. I had a meeting with my editor. I thought he was on 20th Street. So uh, it's clear from the stage directions and from the dialogue here that there was a part of me that knew how creepy this was, uh, this declaration of love. Um, because of the stage direction here is he laughs nervously, uh, followed by she stares at him cautiously. <laughs> so, uh, can I come in? Oh, yeah, sure. Sorry, I was just surprised to see you here. I mean, without calling. How did you get in without buzzing anyway? So why am I here? Yes. Especially since you said you didn't want to hang out with me alone anymore, just in groups or whatever. I missed you, Denise. I guess it's just weird because... Because you finally realized how truly and deeply in love with you I am? I'm just so confused, Joe. It's hard not being able to believe all the compliments you paid me. <laughs> Call it low self-esteem or whatever. To hear something so flattering makes me disbelieve it automatically. Because I don't believe it about myself. This was, this was my, my defense mechanism, that I, I picture myself as being so kind and sweet that the only reason she didn't feel the same about me was because of her low self-esteem. But they were all true. They still are. Everything, every word I ever wrote or said. Even if I did love you in a romantic way, you'd be dissatisfied because I wouldn't return all that you give me. Don't you know it's better to give than to receive? Wow. I, wow. Uh, and then for about three pages, she barely talks, and it's basically him giving a monologue. Me giving a monologue. Please don't. Because I know it'd be too weird if I held you. And when I see you cry, the only thing I want to do is hold you and whisper, everything will be all right. <laughs> then a page later, I know that you don't feel the same way about me. I've always known that. And another page. But when I'm around you, I feel so spectacular and high on life that it doesn't matter. So notice that none of this actually says anything about her specifically anyway. It could just be anyone. And then still going. If I had to boil it down and say it clearly, obviously, and concisely, it's this. I'm in love with you, which is why we can never see each other again after tonight. 
So this is where I thought that manipulation completely was romantic. Joseph, there has to be some other way. Tell me you love me. What? <laughs> right here, right now, tell me you love me and that we can be together. Joseph, I'd just be lying to you. Then it's time for me to leave. This isn't fair. No, it isn't fair. <laughs> There's a tense moment of pause as they each look each other over, almost sizing the other up as an enemy of sorts. We're soulmates, you know, you and I. But we fulfilled our duties, and now it's time for us to part. This isn't even possible, Joseph. We have all the same friends. We'll see each other somewhere. I'm moving. I bought a small house in New Mexico. <laughs> I'm leaving tomorrow. I think we had just been on a family trip to New Mexico. But what if it was something hiding deep, and what if just now I had said that I had loved you? then you'd have been lying and I'd have had all the more reason to leave. But what if I was hiding it deep in my soul and I was afraid to admit it until you forced it out of me? I know, very, very bad choice of words. The problem, Denise, is that I know you. I know you better than I know anybody, better even than I know myself. Uh, so here I wanted Lila to know just how many little details I noticed about her, but instead it's just me mansplaining her to her using non-specific details. I know that you and your mother have never gotten along. I know that you push yourself to the limit. Yes. Your greatest fear is of dying alone. You love Frank Sinatra. You're a devout Lutheran. Your hair always smells like vanilla. I know you because we have the same soul. Another pause with their eyes locked together as if they were two soldiers who together have survived a terrible battle. So, this is it then. My last supplication of all is this. For you and for any dear to you, I would do anything. A tale of two cities. Sometimes there's so much beauty in the world, I feel like I can't take it. Like my heart's going to cave in. American beauty. Just remember, in the winter, far beneath the bitter snows, lies a seed that with the sun's love, in the spring becomes... The rose, our song. Joseph, why must you use that as a weapon? After a reflective pause, because I love you. After a reflective pause... And I love you too. Joseph smiles. I know. So uh, after I gave this uh, play to Lila, she didn't talk to me for a while, very understandably. Um, and uh, eventually I learned that my female friends were not there just to be a part of my uh, a narrative arc as a romantic hero. These dramatic declarations of love in real life rather than on the screen are pretty creepy. Um, but I really did value her as a person and a friend and we're still friends to this day. Uh, and then last year I got married obviously to somebody else. Uh, and I appreciate that my wife still gives me shit when she reads any of my teenage writings. Thank you. That was Andrew Friedenthal sharing his play along with the help of Katie Moore at a Mortified event in Austin, Texas. And this concludes today's episode where we learned when you're a teenager, there isn't a lot of good advice for how to turn a friendship into a romance, but there is a lot of bad advice. He said I should build up my calves. 
Everything shared on today's show was true. No embellishing, no exaggerating, just God-given awkwardness. If you'd like to support Mortified, we have plenty of ways to do it. First, tell your friends on social media about an episode of this podcast that you loved. And don't forget to tag at Mortified Show on Instagram. Second, visit GetMortified.com to pick up your very own Mortified t-shirts, hoodies, and more. Third, if you've got kids ages 9 to 13, listen to our other podcast, Ooh, You're in Trouble, featuring true tales filled with laughter, suspense, and important life lessons. Finally, purchase our game, I Can't Believe I Did That, the conversation starter that dares you and your friends to share memories of growing up. It's like hosting your very own Mortified show right in your living room. It's available on Amazon. And if you're craving more mortification, today's episode pairs nicely with episode 182 about growing up Persian-American, where Michelle's husband, Nima, shares some incredible poetry. Find the full list at getmortified.com slash podcast. And for companies wishing to support this podcast while reaching kajillions of listeners with remarkable taste, email sponsor at radiotopia.fm. This series is a big team effort, and our podcast production team for this episode includes Hadley Dion, Dave Nadelberg, and me, Neil Catcher. Some of the stories featured here were produced for the stage by Ann Jensen-Smith and Michelle Dahlenberg, who are just two of the many amazing producers whose work make this stage show possible. And credit music by Snake Snake Snakes. Additional thanks to all the dedicated Mortified Live producers whose work make the stage show possible. This has been a Mortified Media production for Radiotopia, a network from Purex. Till next time, we remind you that we are freaks, we are fragile, and we all survived.